This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. I'd like for you to take God's Word to go with me this evening to the Gospel according to Mark. We come to chapter number 11. The Gospel according to Mark, we come again to verse number 15. Mark chapter number 11, and we'll begin reading in verse number 15, and we continue our thought from this morning on the house of prayer, the house of prayer. The Bible says in Mark chapter 11 and verse 15, and they come to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught, saying unto them, Is it not written, My house shall be called of all nations, the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and the chiefs, chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him because all the people was astonished at his doctrine. And when even was come, he went out of the city. In verse number 20, the Bible tells us that he and his disciples came back into the city in the morning, and along the way they came across the fig tree to find it had dried and withered by the roots. And the Lord Jesus uh, then instructs them concerning the fact that they must have faith in God. If we're to be fruitful, we must have faith. He also instructs them that forgiveness is essential to fruitfulness. And if we are to be fruitful Christians, fruit-bearing Christians then we must not have unforgiveness toward our uh, brothers and sisters or toward anyone uh, in our hearts because that unforgiveness uh, then can provide a root of bitterness in our lives and that root of bitterness will make us unfruitful. And so the Lord Jesus is teaching them concerning this matter of prayer after they have, of course, seen firsthand, they have witnessed the Lord Jesus as he cleansed the temple, and he's cursed the fig tree. Then we come to verse 27. And they come again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, there come to him the chief priests and the scribes and the elders, and say unto him, By what authority doest thou these things? Of course, the question comes as a result of the previous day's activity when the Lord Jesus went into the temple and cleansed it, casting out those who bought and sold, overturning the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves, and it upset the crowd, it upset the establishment, and they asked, what authority do you have to do these things? Verse 28, not only what authority dost thou, doest thou these things, 
who gave thee this authority to do these things? And Jesus answered and said unto them, I will also ask of you one question, and answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or of men? Answer me. And they reasoned with themselves, saying, If we shall say from heaven, he will say, Why then did ye not believe him? But if we shall say of men, they feared the people. For all men counted John that he was a prophet indeed. And they answered and said unto Jesus, We cannot tell. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Neither do I tell you by what authority I do these things. Let's pray together. Father, thank you again for your word. And we pray that as we come to your word that you would teach us. We're thankful for the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. We're thankful for the eternal, inerrant, and infallible, inspired word of God. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help us to receive your truth this evening and apply it to our lives. Help us to respond in obedience to you. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. As we're discovering in Mark chapter number 11, and as we will continue in Mark chapter 12, we are seeing that the Lord Jesus Christ is reproving the Jews for their unfruitfulness. Though they had the appearance, as the fig tree had the appearance of having fruit because it had leaves, and though the Jews had the appearance of having religious fruit because they had all of the religious ritual and paraphernalia that went with it. If you drew closer and looked inwardly, you would find that there was no fruit. You would find that there was a very shallow, hollow, meaningless form of religion that had departed from the truth of God's word. And as the Lord Jesus Christ is reproving them and he has come into the temple, he finds it corrupt. And we looked this morning at the corruption of the house. In verse number 15, the Bible says, they come to Jerusalem, Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught, saying unto them, Is it not written, My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer? But ye have made it a den of thieves. This morning we looked at that passage that the Lord Jesus is referring to when he says in verse number 17, Is it not written, My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer? That passage comes from Isaiah's prophecy in Isaiah chapter number 56 where God in that passage, as, as he inspires Isaiah the prophet to write, instructs the nation of Israel that God's desire is that the Gentiles would come to know him and that they also would have access into his house. He said, I want the sons of the Gentiles to know that they can come into my house. He said, I want the eunuchs to know, the eunuchs who will never be able to bear children naturally, I want them to know that their name will continue if they will honor me and come into my house. I will give them something better than any son. I will receive them and give them a home. 
give them a place in my family. And then he says through the writing of Isaiah that my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. God's heart is toward all people. But it was the Jews who uh, had the responsibility to teach the truth of God's word, to establish the, the, uh, the system that was in place and, and to carry out all the ritual sacrifices and all of the worship practices of the people. But when Jesus came to the Jews, and he comes particularly now in the final few days of his earthly life, he finds that the temple is polluted. It is corrupted by those who have changed something that is intended as worship, and they have made it not about God, but they have made it about themselves. In particular in this passage, how they might enrich themselves. They, they were selling animals. They were changing currency. All of that, of course, was needed. But they're charging exorbitant rates to do it, and in so doing, they are occupying the court of the Gentiles, and so there was no place for Gentiles to come into the temple court to worship the true and the living God because truthfully, the Jews had no heart for the Gentiles to come and worship the true and the living God. And the danger can become that we as Christians become so comfortable in our church culture that we lose heart for a lost and dying world. And while we try to maneuver and position ourselves and please ourselves within the culture of the church to find some kind of meaning to, to appease in some way to our preferences or to our flesh or our desire to be recognized, we forget what it's all about. I've heard this story many, many times. When, when, you, when you find someone who perhaps made it big in the music industry, you've heard this said often of those people, well, they got their start singing in church as if the church was nothing more than a springboard for them from which to move forward into the secular music industry and establish stardom and therefore accumulate wealth, accumulate uh, acknowledgement and fans and, and accolades. And, and now here they are, these famous people who got their start in the church. Aren't we all so fortunate that we were a part of it all? But that kind of mentality doesn't just apply to that. It applies to lots of things. Where people, we, we just, we, 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 we buy into this thinking that this whole thing is about us. And if we're not careful, the house can become corrupt. Not only the house of God corporately, but the house of God individually because we're feel we, can be, we can become full of greed and we can become full of pride and envy and, and jealousy and, and uh, we, can, we, we can lose sight of the fact that this is not about us individually. If you're a talented singer, we're very grateful that God has given you talent. 
but this is not a place for you to showcase your talent. Preachers can have this same kind of trap themselves, as if they need a pulpit from which they can uh, find an outlet for their ministry and lose sight of the fact that it is edification of the saints. That is the important goal here in the public worship of the church. And so we see the house was corrupted. And when the house is corrupted, as we discovered this morning, the people are turned away. We saw the example of Eli's sons who who, who demanded that the people who came to bring the sacrifice uh, would give them a portion that they weren't deserving, but they, they decided that this whole thing was about them. And the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 17, Wherefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. And we, we understand that when we become full of self, when we lose sight of what this is all about, we are not attracting people to the Lord. We are discouraging people from coming to the Lord. And you can have a church with a steeple and a sign outside. But if it becomes about you, you're not going to point men to Jesus. And so we saw the corruption of the house. Secondly, we looked at the cleansing of the house. When Jesus came to the house and saw that this court of the Gentiles had become a, 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 a stockyard sale, he was full of indignation, righteous indignation. He overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold duff. He cast out those who bought and sold from the temple. He would not allow people to travel through. As we learned this morning, the court of the Gentiles was uh, located in a place that made it very convenient for people to take shortcuts from one end of the city to the next, and they would, have dared, they would not have dared to go through the court of God's people, the court of the Jews, where they could pass in. Remember, there was a middle wall of partition separating the court of the Gentiles from the outer court where the Jews would gather. They would certainly not pass through that court, but they wouldn't mind to pass through the court of the Gentiles and travel through it to use it as a shortcut. And the Lord said, no, we're not going to have that. And so he cleansed the temple. As we examine our own hearts, as we examine our own lives, we understand that our motives uh, can become uh, motives that are not focused upon the Lord Jesus Christ, but upon self and upon our flesh and upon sin. And therefore, our house becomes polluted. And when it becomes polluted, we understand that God wants to work in, a, in the context of a pure house at a pure church. And so we found in this morning that if, if we confess our sin, that the Lord Jesus Christ is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. David prayed in Psalm 51 and verse 2, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. The problem with uh, the lack of power and the lack of blessing among God's people is that we have forgotten what this is about. We become polluted. We become corrupt. And we need the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus to wash over us and cleanse us. We need to do the work that is required to overturn the tables in our lives, to cast out the money changers, to remember that this thing is not about us, but it's about God and his glory.
1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 11, Paul writing to them says, but ye, he said, such were some of you. He gives a long list of the sins of uh, those who are without God. And then he says, and such were some of you, 1 Corinthians 6, 11, but ye are washed, ye are sanctified, ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And so we find here that the house is cleansed. Now, I want you to notice in Matthew chapter 21 in verse number, uh, verse number 15. In Matthew chapter 21, let's look in verse 14. And here we have a record of the same incident reported to us by Matthew. Matthew chapter 21 and verse number 14. The Lord is cleansed and in the process of cleansing the temple. Matthew 21 and verse 14, and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple. And notice what he did. He healed them. Here they are, the blind and the lame and they're being healed. Verse 15, and when the chief priests and scribes saw, notice this, the wonderful things that he did. And the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David. They were sore displeased. And said unto him, Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus saith unto them, Yea, have ye never read? Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise. And he left them and went out of the city into Bethany, and he lodged there. Here's what happens in a pure temple. There's power. There's power. Do you often wonder why there's no power in your Christian life? There's no power in your worship? There's no power in your witness. Are you willing to say, as the psalmist said, search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me? Are you willing to bring yourself into the light of the word of God, the truth of Jesus, and examine your own heart, not someone else's, not somebody else's motives, but your motives, and say to the Lord, Lord Jesus, here are the sins in my life. I confess them to you, and I ask you to forgive me and to cleanse me. And when you do that, when you get pure, you're going to see the power of God at work in your life. The Bible speaks in the, in the days of uh, the deception and in the, in the days when, when many are turned away from the truth that they will have a form of godliness, but they will deny the power thereof. We've gotten so comfortable and so casual in our attitude toward the world and toward sin, we have forgotten that God requires of us that we be holy. His habitation is a place of holiness. And that place of habitation is us. Paul said, no, you're not, that you're bought with a price. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And so when we get clean, God can work in power, healing the lame, healing the blind. And then not only do we see power in the cleansed temple, but we hear the voices of praise. We hear the voices of praise. You see, David said, clean me up, Lord. 
cleanse me, renew a right spirit within me. Then will I be able to worship you. Then will I teach sinners your ways. I, I want to hear again the joy and the gladness of the Lord, but we have no heart to praise God as long as we are polluted. No heart to praise God. Have you ever walked in your garage and you needed a tool and you didn't know where it was, you knew you had it? And you looked at that thing and you said, I got to straighten this mess out. And then you did the hard work of going through things and finding out, here are things that I don't need. Why, why are they still here? And by the way, we all have things we don't want to let go of, but we need to let go of them. Don't you feel good when you clean your closet out? I mean, it just does something for you, doesn't it? My wife had recently went through a closet cleaning expedition. And she said to me, you need to clean out your closet. I've got shirts that have been in there for a little while. Shirts that are out of style. Shirts that I've outgrown. And so reluctantly, I finally started cleaning it out. And do you know what I found when I cleaned it out? I found out there I had things that I could wear that I didn't realize were even there. And it's like I went to the store and bought myself some new clothes, but I didn't. I just discovered them again. And the reason I discovered them again is because I got the mess out. And you know the reason that many of us have forgotten the joy of the Christian life and we've, we've gotten bogged down and weighted down in our Christian life is because our lives are so full of unnecessary things. And if we would just reduce those things, if we would just cleanse those things from our heart and from our lives, we would discover what we really have in Jesus. And we might find that we can come and sing glory to his name with a heart full of praise. We might find that God can work powerfully through us when we allow him to cleanse us. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then after they get clean, then will I hear from heaven. Oh, don't we need to hear from heaven? I will forgive their sin. I will heal their land. Jeremiah said, call unto me. Uh, the Lord said actually to Jeremiah, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. That's why I love the Bible. I love the Bible because as I get involved in the study of the Scriptures, God reveals things to me. I'm telling you, I'm excited about Mark chapter number 11. I'm excited about Mark chapter 12 and Mark chapter 13. I'm excited about it because as you get into it, God by his spirit begins to speak to you and reveal to you his truth. Let's get the clutter out. Let's get the dirt out. Listen, we're never going to have a power a powerful Christian life, a vital Christian life, a joyful Christian life 
as long as we can't let go of the cell phone, as long as we got sin in our heart, we cannot be what God has designed for us to be. So we see the cleansing of the house. That leads us to the final thing, and that is the captain of the house. Who's really in charge here? Now, do you know who thought they were in charge? The scribes and the Pharisees. They thought they were in charge. You know, you can come into a church, and you might wonder, well, who's in charge here? Well, the pastor's in charge. Well, he might think he's in charge, but he's not in charge. Well, then who's in charge? Well, surely it's the deacons. Well, they might think they're in charge, but the deacons aren't in charge. Well, then it's got to be the deacons' wives. They might think they're in charge, but they're not in charge. Who's in charge? Well, if we do it the right way, there's only one answer to who's in charge. Doesn't matter what church you go to. Jesus. He's the captain. He's the captain of our salvation. He's the author and finisher of our faith. And in Mark chapter number 11 and verse number 18, when he reproved them and said, ye have made it a den of thieves, notice their response. Verse 18, and the scribes and the chief priests heard it, and they didn't like it. And therefore, they sought how they might destroy him. Why? Because they feared him, because all the people was astonished at his doctrine. He was a threat to them, friends. Some people like to say, well, Jesus, he didn't fit into the religious system. He was sort of a free spirit. Jesus was a rebel. No. They were the rebels. He came to bring order. Don't, don't ever portray Jesus, excuse me, as some hippie-style rebel who's trying to, you know, teach these guys to loosen up. Oh, no, he's pointing them back to the truth of God's Word. Verse 19, and when even was come, he went out of the city. He comes back the next morning to find the fig tree. It is withered and dried. They have the discourse and the conversation about that. He speaks to them about faith and forgiveness. And then in verse number 27, they come again to Jerusalem. And as he was walking in the temple, they met him there. Notice, there come to him the chief priests and the scribes and the elders, and they say unto him, by what authority doest thou these things? Now, please put your your ears on here, would you? Let's listen. They have a question. By what authority doest thou these things? Who told you it was okay to go in there and turn over the tables? Who told you it was all right to drive out the livestock? You know, in John chapter 2, when he went into the temple the first time, what did he do? He took the cords, and he, 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 he gathered up the cords, and he drove out the animals with the whip. Who told you you could do that? Who told you you could stop people from taking the route through the court of the Gentiles? 
I would have thought, you know, here's, here's what it comes down to in our lives. They wanted to say this to him, who are you to come in here and tell us how to run this place? Who are you to tell us what to do? Sounds like us, doesn't it? The first time we look at mom and dad and we say, who are you to tell me what to do? Well, look here, I'll tell you who they are. They're your parents. They have every right to tell you what to do because God has placed them in a position of authority. And here's the question for your life, who is in authority? And here are the only two possible answers, either you or him. And that's really what it all boils down to. All these struggles we have in life, you know, well, I want to do this and I want to do that and, and, and why can't I have it this way and why can't this happen for me? And uh, da, 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 da. It all boils down to one question. Will you submit to the authority in your life? And that authority is Jesus. And as a church, will we submit to his authority? As a nation, the nation of Israel, will the Jews surrender to his authority? So they said, who are you to come in here and tell us? Now, he had authority, did he not? Mark chapter 1 and verse number 22, the Bible says that he taught them as one that had authority. So in his teaching, he taught them authoritatively. They want to know now, where does this authority come from? In Mark 1, in verse 27, the Bible says that they noted that with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. So his authority is apparent. He teaches with authority, and with authority, the devil obeys his commands. Where'd you get this authority? Now you're coming in here to this temple, and you're messing everything up, and you're casting out these people, and you're changing everything that we've tried to establish here who are you to do this? Now, we understand that they envied him. Why? They envied him because the people heard him. And the people praised him. And they feared him. And the reason they feared him is because when he came with authority, he was a threat to expose that they had no authority. What authority did they have? They had usurped it. They had usurped it. They were not given authority from God, and now here he comes, and he, they are in fear that their position, their power, their influence, their way of doing things was now jeopardized. Hey, when God shows up on the scene, he's the captain. He can have it any way he wants it. Are you willing to let him have his way with thee? He desires to have his way with you. Will you submit? And they didn't want to submit. And so now they're going to try to kill him. Now, he asked the question. They asked the question, by what authority doest thou these things? He says, all right, let me ask you a question. If you answer my question, I'll answer your question. You see, this question is going to reveal their motive. Notice the question he asked them. Are you still with me? Say amen. amen. 
Verse 29, and Jesus answered and said unto them, I will also ask you one question and answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John. Was it from heaven or of men? In other words, did it come from God or did John just come up with this thing on his own? That was the question. Where did John get his authority? Notice their, notice their response. Verse 31, they reasoned with themselves. They had a little conference. Time out, Jesus. We need to gather and talk. Now, all the people can hear this. There are no doubt they're, they're seeing it happen. And they reasoned with themselves, saying, if we shall say from heaven, he will say, why then did you not believe him? But if we shall say of men, they feared the people, for all men counted John that he was a prophet indeed. And they answered and said unto Jesus strategically, we cannot tell. These guys knew the tactics of Congress before Congress ever came along. Have you ever seen two groups of people with the same set of information who come to two unbelievably opposed viewpoints? and who never allow the facts to stand in the way of their opinions. That's where we are today. And that's where this group was. I mean, if you watch what is happening in our country, if you watch what's taking place, regardless of your persuasion on some of this, here's what you know. You know there are a bunch of corrupt people in Washington, D.C., And sometimes it's difficult to discern who is right from who is wrong. And that is why the media, let me tell you, the media is no friend of Americans. They're no friend of American people. Because the media has an agenda, and part of their agenda is to cloud and, and make things so confusing that most of us will just simply not care anymore and just say, whatever you guys want to do, go ahead and help yourself. And you know what the Pharisees wanted? The same thing. They had the system under their control, and they liked that control, and they didn't want anybody to threaten them, and Jesus was a threat to them. And instead of coming out with truth, which they weren't interested in, they came out and tried to cloud and confuse people so that they could hold on to their position. But now Jesus is confronting them, and nobody likes to be confronted. Accountability is something that comes hard. Sometimes I'll speak to folks, especially young people, who are not willing to do what they're supposed to do. And by the way, I was one of those. And I ask them the hard questions that they do not want to answer. And a lot of times they just look at the ground or they shrug their shoulders and they say, hmm, I don't know. And that's where the Pharisees are here. Because they're weighing out the fact is if we say John was from God, then they're going to say, then he's going to say, and the people are going to say, well, then why didn't you believe John? If we say that John is from man, well, the people believe John's from God. We're going to lose our power and influence. And so here they are. They're unwilling to stand for anything. And here's what we find out. 
we find out that they know that Jesus knows. You follow me? You know, sometimes we think we can hide things, but then we find out that it's known. Do you know what Jesus is doing here? He is revealing to them that he knows. And here's the thing that we need to understand about our own lives. He knows. He knows. I had the privilege to preach to our kids in chapel. We had the elementary and high school combined. And this is what I told them. God knows. He sees and he hears. He knows us. He knows our thoughts. He knows our motives. God knows. We can hide it from other people but we can't hide it from him. And the Lord is exposing here this, this error in their lives. And so they say, we can't tell. And Jesus answering saith unto them, neither do I tell you by what authority I do these things. You see, they refused to answer him because to do so would to be an acknowledgement of who he was. Because if John came from God, certainly Jesus came from God. The winds and waves obeyed him. The demons were cast out. The lame were made to walk. The blind were made to see. Where did he come from? We don't know. Oh, they knew full well. And do you know what we find about today? You see, this was not mysterious. This was not confusing. They saw it, and they knew it. And here's the amazing part of it. Though they saw it, and though they knew it, they still rejected him. Do you know who he is? Well, yes, I know who he is. I, I ask him to be my Savior. All right, then let me ask you this. Have you forgotten who he is? He's the captain. Now, what does the captain have the right to do? To give the orders. Are you taking them? Am I taking them? Because if he's the captain and I'm not taking the orders, then what I'm really saying is he's good enough to get me to heaven, but he's not good enough to get me through life. I can do that on my own. You take Jesus off the throne and put yourself at the wheel. As I said a moment ago, the question really is about authority. Are you willing to submit to his authority? Will you deny yourself? Will you take up your cross? Will you follow him? Will you allow him to determine who your friends are? Will you allow him to determine who your mate is? Will you allow him to determine your education, your vocation, your time, your finances, your activities, your plans, your life? See, it's one thing to say he's the captain. It's another thing to submit to the headship of the captain. Because when he comes into his house, he wants it to be a place of praise and power. It can't be that way as long as it's polluted, and it needs to be cleansed. And once it's been cleansed, then we need to follow the captain. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. 
If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.